growing up, we didn't go on a whole lot of family vacations. Um, one of the reasons, I think, is my dad was a shift engineer. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Um, my dad was a shift engineer at TVA at the Johnsonville Steam Plant in Johnsonville, Tennessee. And so he worked all the time. Uh, and so it was very rare that he felt like he could take off and take his family on vacation. So I, I, I can remember a few, of our, a few of our vacations. One of our, or a few of them were to Disney World. I think we went a, like a couple times to Disney World in Florida. Uh, one time we went to Memphis to see a distant relative of my great-grandmother. I'm not sure how that happened, but that was something that we did. I haven't seen them since. And another time we went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee in the Great Smoky Mountains. Amen. It was on this trip to Gatlinburg that my dad did something that he had never done before, nor did he do after. He had the idea, we should go to the mysterious mansion in Gatlinburg. Now, the mysterious mansion is a haunted house. I was six years old. My brother was nine years old. I can only assume that my dad thought it was like the Haunted Mansion in Disney World. It is not like the Haunted Mansion in Disney World. I can remember as a six-year-old being ushered into a room, and it was completely dark. I didn't know where anyone was. I couldn't see my dad. I was scared. I began to cry out for my dad, right? Dad, where are you? I can't see anything. Where are you at? Where are you at? And all of a sudden, somebody, something, put their hand on my shoulder. And so I reached up thinking it was my dad, not remembering my dad having as hairy hands as was on my shoulder. And I did the only thing that a six-year-old knew to do because I didn't understand fight or flight. I only knew fight at that point, right? (laughs) My brother, like I said, was three years older than me, so I had plenty of practice fighting. So I start throwing fists like a little six-year-old could. Like I'm just throwing them. Pretty sure I punched my brother in the face. I know I hit other people. Don't know what. Don't know who. But I do remember the next thing. We were quickly ushered to the clear to the nearest exit, <laughs> and we were told it's probably best that you leave because it doesn't get any less scary the further you get into. The mysterious mansion. Did you see the outside? It's spooky. It's supposed to be scary. You're in the wrong place. To this day, I still believe that we were only ushered out because they did not want the embarrassment of being whooped by a six-year-old. That is something I will choose to believe for the rest of my life. But I think we can all kind of understand and because we've felt that way before alone scared not really knowing who was around us not knowing what was around the next corner but this morning my hope is to help us all see that we are simply not alone. It may be chaotic, it may be dark, 
you may not know what is happening around you, but you can be assured of the fact that you are not alone and we do not have to live in the same fear that six-year-old Jared lived in on that day. Today we begin a new series called Promised. And as we open up this series, we are reminded of God's promise to always be with us. The truth is God makes a lot of promise, a lot of promises. But a remaining truth is that God keeps all the promises that he makes, amen? God makes a lot of promises, but God keeps every promise that he makes. And so we pick up the story with the people of God having wandered through the wilderness for 40 years, and here they are on the edge of the promised land. We also cannot lose sight of the fact that they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because of the fact that they lost sight of the fact that God was with them and that God had made a promise, but they were so worried that God was not going to be able to keep his promise. This is the land that God had promised Abraham. This is the same land that God had promised Moses would lead them to before they lost sight of this fact. And here they are. But the, but the problem in their mind immediately is that Moses has passed away. And there are people who already inhabit the land. How are we going to go into a land where people already live with a new leader and claim that land as ours? Especially if we believe that those people are bigger and stronger than us. And sure, Moses has passed away, but he has passed the mantle to a new leader named Joshua. He may have been new, but there was no question that he was the leader. See, Joshua had been born into slavery in Egypt. He had been a witness to all the plagues that God had given to Egypt and all the miracles that God had given to the people as well, including the parting of the Red Sea being led by day and by night, manna falling from heaven. Joshua was, was not a stranger to the work of God. Joshua was also Moses' assistant on the mountain when they came down and witnessed the people of God worshiping a golden calf. Joshua spent most of his days in the tent of meeting, keeping guard. And Joshua was also fully aware that God was someone who kept his promises. He was fully aware of all the work that God had done. And I'm pretty sure this helped him be able to do the, the task that God I called him to. Joshua's resume was great, but it is only great because God was the one preparing him to do the work. Even standing on the edge of the promised land about to lead God's people into it, God will remind Joshua and God will remind his people of his promised presence. He does this in two ways. And the first, we, the first thing that we see is that God promised his presence in the preparation. 
So let's go on and open up in the copy of, in your copy of God's Word, if you have that in front of you, whether it be on a device or in 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 a paperback or leather bound, whatever, hard, whatever. Joshua chapter one, and we're going to start in verse one. Joshua chapter one, starting in verse one. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant. The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, his assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. And now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land that I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness uh, and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The task that God has called Moses to, or Joshua to, it was multifaceted. And there was only one way that he was going to be able to do the things that he called them to do, was that he was going to have to be with them. He called them to lead the people into it. He called called him to lead the people to defeat the enemy. And he called him to lead the people to claim the inheritance that he had promised because like I've said before and will continue to say until you get tired of it God keeps his promises I like how God sets this up he just simply says get the people now get up and go go across the Jordan side note it kind of reminds me as it like someone who might have a spouse and four daughters and possibly two kids and go on a vacation do your vacation thing, and then it's time to pack everything back up. And somehow, miraculously, magically, you have more stuff than what you left your house with, right? So you pack everything up, and you stuff everything into a Toyota Sienna, and somehow it just doesn't fit. Now, this was a lot of people with 40 years' worth of baggage, right? And God tells Joshua, all right, now pack up. Clearly, it's only the essentials because you can't pack everything up. Pack up and head over. It's all yours. Everything that I've promised you, it is yours. I know that there are people already there. This isn't a surprise. I know it's been a while, but you've actually scouted this land out. You didn't trust me, so you had to wander for 40 years, and here I am reminding you again. Yes, I know there are people in the land, but my promises remain the same today that they did for you you back then, and they are for you. So don't forget. 
that I am with you. And when you get there, distribute the land. Claim your inheritance. God's been preparing his people for this trip for a very long time. He's been preparing his leader to lead them to a land that they have long waited for. A land that is flowing with milk and honey. And part of this preparation is simply making sure the people are ready spiritually and mentally. And as we read those verses together, as we read those verses together, don't you think you would be encouraged to go? God spoke so emphatically to Joshua. I also think these words from God to Joshua and his people remind us of how God works even today. He prepares us for something. He prepares us for the work. And it's up to us to actually get up and go. It's up to us to get up and do the task that we've been called to do. A lot of people would like to read this passage and they want to see a let go and let God relationship. We want Jesus to take the will. Or rather, we'd much rather be a Tesla and we just get in it and it drives it somewhere and we're just along for the ride. But this passage is more than a passage on the sovereignty of God. It's been said that divine sovereignty is not a substitute for human responsibility. Just because God can doesn't mean that we don't have to. You see, we can't read this and believe that God is present in our preparation and then not go out and do the work that he has prepared us to do. It was evident throughout the history of God's people that God had been preparing them for this day, for this moment, and even in this moment, God was still there to show them and to tell them that he had prepared them to go. But he did not prepare them just so that he could pick them up and drop them in the middle of the land without any human responsibility. You see, God doesn't prepare us for something and then have us dodge all the life in between. God prepares us so that we can live the life in between. We must have skin in the game. When the Israelites were going into the promised land, it wouldn't be without battles, it wouldn't be without trials, and it wouldn't be without setbacks. God, here's the thing, God had already given them the land. It was just up to them to have the faith to step into it, no matter what they might find, because God has promised his presence. Your life is not a let go and let God life. You have been given the responsibility to love God and to love people and to live accordingly. And even if you're standing on the edge of this land, you can know that God has promised that he will be with you and he is preparing you. It's the same promise that God gave to Joshua. 
It's the same promise that God gave to Abraham and Moses. In fact, it's the same one that God gave to Gideon in the Babylonian exiles. It's the same one, it's the same promise that God gave to humanity when he sent his son and named him Emmanuel, God with us. It's the same promise that Jesus gave to the thief on the cross, I am with you and I will be with you. It's the same promise that Jesus gave to us when he ascended from earth into heaven. He promised his presence always. He's saying you will do this, but you do not and you will not do this alone. Warren Wiersbe says it like this. God's people live on promises and not expectations. You see, we are a people who do not live on the expectations that we have. We have always been a people who live on the promises of God. I promise you, my expectations may be too great for even my life, or in my mind, but in God's mind, they still may be too small. I believe God is still preparing his people Today, he is preparing us for the task of sharing the gospel. He is preparing some in this room to answer his call to vocational ministry. He is preparing some in this room to go into the world to the least of these as a missionary for the rest of their life. He is preparing some to go into schools as teachers and as students to live out the gospel. He is preparing some to take the promises of God to your coworkers. And some of you are standing on the edge of the unknown and you need to hear these words. He is with you. You are not alone. So get up and go. So how do we know? And how do we live for what he has been preparing us for? Well, if he is present in the preparation, I can assure you he is also present in the present. Let's look again at verses 7 through 9. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Have I Commanded you, be strong and courageous. Yes, Lord, three times, this being the third. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The key to Joshua's success is his faithfulness to the word of God. At this point in time, right, it was the law and the history of God's people. This is what he was meditating on. This is what he was reading. This is what he was studying, and he was devoted to it. Because it was in these words where God continually revealed the promises that God had made to Joshua and to his people. As Moses' assistant and someone who spent a majority of his time at the tent of meeting, he understood the importance 
of God's word, yet God still encouraged them. Even, even in knowing how ready Joshua was, God still spoke to Joshua and told him to carefully observe the book. If anyone could say, duh, it would be Joshua. But God still looked at him and said, observe the book and all that is in it. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. The only way to be these things is to remain faithful to his word because it is in his word that we find his presence. It's in his word that we see now that it is the Holy Spirit that is living in us as his presence. Joshua found his strength from meditating on the word, believing its promises and obeying what was written. He was to be so in tune with the word that it would be commonplace for him to repeat it or to recall it at a moment's notice. It was simply part of his human responsibility, right? If we were this devoted to the word of God, being asked to be strong and courageous would simply be part of our nature. What are you being called to that you are not strong and courageous about? Maybe the missing link is God's word. Knowing God's promises and how God fulfills his promises should bring us a confidence that can only be shared with others who are just as devoted, all the while knowing that he is present in our present. This is how Joshua was able to do all the things that he did. This is the only way that we are going to be able to do anything that God calls us to. Observe carefully. Do not stray from it. Read it aloud. Meditate on it. Do what is written in it. So... Experiencing the presence of God in our present requires spending time with him through his word. Man, what a novel idea. Who thought that the author of life would offer us love and words to live by? How devoted are we to it? There is simply no reason for this to be, uh, that this isn't true for us today. If we want to experience the presence of the Lord in our lives, in the here and now, then we must treat the word of God with more respect and and treat it more important than we actually do. A few months ago, hear me, we spent a 22-week long series called People of the Book, looking at the importance of the book. And the words that the psalmist had are very similar to the words that Joshua, or that Joshua finds in, or God speaks to Joshua in the first few verses of this book. But the question remains for us today, are you a person of the book? Or honestly, was, were those 22 weeks a waste? 
When you know the word, you will know his presence in the here and now. You will know that he is with us now. You can move forward without hesitation because you will know the verse as well, like Romans 8, 31, that says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? We can walk strong and courageously because that is our God. Back in the 80s, in a haunted house in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, I was scared. I was turned around. I was in the dark. And it's all because I lost sight of my father. In the chaos, it was easy to forget that he was even with me. Dear church, I know it is very easy to lose sight of God and the fact that he is preparing you for this work. Because the world is chaotic, the world is distracting, the world is dark, and it's hard to see him when you're standing on the edge of the land, but you can lean on this promised presence of the Lord. Dear church, know that God is with you even this day. And you can trust that he is present in your present by becoming people of the book. And you may be here this morning and have, you, maybe you've been needing to hear this truth again. God makes promises. And God keeps the promises that he makes. Dear friend who may not know Christ yet, you can trust that through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ, he has promised a way for you to know him and to live with him eternally. And it's not too late to step out in faith and believe that he has prepared this land for you as well. And that he has fulfilled all the promises through the work of Christ. I'm not too naive to believe that God is working on some in this room in some way, shape, or form. Because I believe that God still prepares us and I believe that God is still present in our present. And there may be some in this, someone in this room that is struggling with the call to vocational ministry. If that's you this morning, can I tell you something? Lean on those words of verse 9. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I also believe there may be some in this room that are struggling with the call to missions. And to live on the mission field, whether it be in North America or somewhere across the world. And can I share this truth with you? Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There may be some in this room right now that just feel scared and alone. They were struggling because the darkness 
and chaos of this world seem to crowd out the voice of the Lord. And can I share this truth with you this morning? Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And there may be someone in this room this morning that has never given their life to Christ and does not know the peace that comes with that. And does not know or understand yet, but wants to. Wants to know the redeeming work of Christ. Can I tell you something? Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God was with Joshua as he prepared the people to enter the land that he had promised them so long ago. God was with Joshua as he trusted in his word. In the same way, dear church, God is with us. God is with you. In just a moment, actually Herbert's just going to go on and make his way up here and musicians. This is just a time of response. Maybe, like I've said just a few moments ago, God's dealing with you in some way. Maybe it is someone, maybe you are wanting a relationship with Christ or you want to have a conversation with someone about it. I encourage you to come talk to a pastor or a leader. If you want to, this is, just been made clear that this is the church that you want to be a part of and you want to join this family. I encourage you to make that decision today. Maybe it's a call on your life, whether it be missions or ministry. Whatever it is, God's wanting to do something today. Are you willing to trust in his promises? Are you willing to trust that he is with us? Are you willing to trust that he is preparing you for something? God, in this place, we pray that you will show us something new. God, that you will show us what you were preparing us for. The people of God knew that you were preparing them for a land. Show us, God. What are you preparing us for? God, I pray this morning for you to find freedom to work in the hearts of your people and those you are calling to yourself. God, I pray that someone in this room today would find the eternal love that you offer in Christ Jesus. God, I pray today that you will simply begin changing lives and showing love to families. May we not lose sight of you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us?